Welcome back in everybody to episode 44 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. We are happy you're back with us. We have a lot of great, exciting sports news to get to this week. And this is a monumental, historic episode for us. After six weeks, maybe even two months, the gang is all back together. Kevin has been away for quite a while. We're happy to have him back with us. The stool just isn't the same without three legs. The Freebirds needed all three members. Steph and Clay need Draymond to make the super team, so we're happy to have Kevin back with us. Kevin, where have you been? Coaching coaching basketball or watching basketball, that takes up a lot of my time. Otherwise, uh, sometimes driving to other events that children do, um, but it's mostly basketball. So the next month is still kind of busy, and then it maybe slows down a little bit. Nice. Well, welcome back. Uh, Shannon, where, where have you been lately? I have been in Florida, went to Disney World. Uh, I I took four days in a row off of work, and uh, and that's the first time I've taken four consecutive days off of work. And so that was a tough Very hurdle nice. for me to get over. Yeah. Uh, a long time to not do anything but it was very relaxing how does disney world compare as an adult compared to going as a child i noticed the lines as being really irritating and the amount of people being really irritating and and maybe that's just me as i get old and grumpy and not liking to be around crowds i noticed that really bothered me i also paid attention to the cost of items and that's, that's maybe more of me as somebody who's really tight financially that I pay attention to that kind of stuff. And those are all things I didn't notice as a kid. Like, I don't remember waiting in lines as a kid. And my girls are six and three. They didn't care. Like, they'd have waited in line for five hours, and they didn't care. Uh, so those are the big differences I noticed. Well, we're going to jump into episode 44 this week. We're going to start talking about the NFL playoffs and the conference championship rounds we have coming up. I want to see how much these guys won on UFC 270. We've got a little NASCAR topic I want to talk about. Then we'll just kind of open the floor for general conversation. And we've got a little trivia game. I've not been good about doing my trivia lately, so I'm going to get some of those snuck back in here. But before we get to that, Shannon, the greatest number 44 NASCAR driver of all time in honor of episode 44. Kyle Petty. Did he drive 44? For like a year. It had Hot Wheels on it as a sponsor. It was blue and orange. Solid. Well, who am I missing? I have no idea. I was trying to think. I can't think of like a great 44. This would have been easier on last week's show. Well, we'll move right ahead here. Talking about the NFL playoffs, we can kind of, we're going to meld recaps and previews, however you guys want to do it, heading into our championship games, but... Before anybody doubts you, I will vouch for both of you guys being devout, lifelong fans of one of you, the Bengals, and one of you, the Bills. So a a monumental weekend this weekend. Granted, I think Kevin did jump on the Bills bandwagon when they had Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and Bruce Smith in the glory days of the four straight Super Bowls. So I don't know if that still counts as a bandwagon 30 years later. But Shannon, to his credit, did stick with the Bill, uh, Bengals through the 90s, like the worst pro team of any decade. So finally getting the the fruits of your labor of dedication to them. So how did it feel our Bengals and Bills fans this past weekend for the first time in a long time, both teams being serious contenders in the playoffs? I guess I'll talk about the Bengals. (laughs) So I, I don't even know exactly why I, I started liking the Bengals, but I have a theory that like when I was a kid, I was a Packers fan and I felt like it was really easy to be a Packers fan when I was 10 years old because they were really good and they had Brett Favre and they were good and they won a Super Bowl for being at a friend's house when they won the Super Bowl. And I was like, okay, this is cool and this is fun, but I'm going to cheer for somebody else now. And I picked the Bengals because they were bad. And so I stayed at the Bengals and I really followed them. And, and then, Darren, we were celebrating your birthday at one of your friends' house the night that Vontez Perfect costed the Bengals a playoff victory. And I was like, never again am I cheering for the Bengals. Yeah, you were angry. I, yes, like legit angry. And I don't really get angry often. Like sometimes I'll pout and throw a fit. But like real angry, I don't get that way. And I got that way that night. And I was so mad because it was like, 
they they had it won and, and they lost it and I was like that's the most Bengals thing ever and so I was like I'm never going to be their fan again but I kind of got off of that and and continued to follow them and cheer for them and now to see them make the playoffs uh I had no faith in them beating the Raiders and they hung on at the end of that game and then they went to Tennessee and and really played very well for the most part they beat a, beat a good Titans team that was at full strength we could argue whether or not Derrick Henry was hurt. Uh, I, I'm not going to listen to your argument really much because he played. The Bengals just did a really good job of defending him. Julio Jones was there. A.J. Brown was there and made some nice plays. Uh, they had everybody. And the Bengals have just showed up. Jamar Chase looks to be a steal. I know they took him really high in the draft, but uh, he is he is awesome. And he's somebody that's going to be there for a long time. If you go back a little bit, uh, they had Carson Palmer teamed up with Chad Johnson, and they were good. And then they had Andy Dalton teamed up with A.J. Green. Well, now you got Joe Burrow, who is arguably a top-five quarterback in the NFL with Jamar Chase, and that looks to be something for them to build on for the next five to seven years. So it, an exciting season that I I do think will come to an end. I actually have the Chiefs covering the spread of seven in this game. The Bengals beat them a couple of weeks ago, and that's going to be motivation enough for the Chiefs to come out we saw a powerful Chiefs offense the other night. And so uh, I, while it's been a great ride for the Bengals and it's been really fun and there's a bright future, they've done a lot of really good things. I do think that ride comes to an end this weekend against the Chiefs. Shannon, you went back some years to Carson Palmer and you didn't mention TJ Hujmanzada on this Portland podcast. I feel like we should mention his name with his yes. Pacific Northwest connections. You you make a really good point, TJ Hushmanzada, a very uh, important part of the success of the Bengals at the early 2000s, a great player for them for, for quite a few years. The Bengals, I'll start with the Bengals first. Um, Derrick Henry may, maybe was a little slow, but their offensive line is really good. And there's oftentimes he has large holes to run through and he's not being touched until he's plowing through secondary guys. And I don't think that happened very much that um, there just wasn't a lot there. And the Bengals were short on depth going against that old line and they still held up really well. Um, I will be pulling for the Bengals this week. And I, you know, I agree. It'll be tough um, having still basically no offensive line, is going to be an issue the farther you get into these playoffs. Um, so you need to figure something out and you can't, you can't score 10 points, 17 points and expect to win or whatever this week. So um, it might be hard. They scored, seemed to score a lot last time they played the chiefs, but probably a little less likely in the playoffs. So I would also take the chiefs, but I'll be pulling hard for the Bengals this week as well. Um, switching to the bills and maybe something we should touch on is that and this is, I think, hard to understand for a lot of people around the country that in Iowa, we have no pro teams. And so everyone just kind of cheers for all kinds of random teams. And so when I think of like all my friends that I can possibly think of that grew up near me, like very few people cheer for the same team. You'll, you'll get some pockets of Packers and Vikings and Bears fans, but there's just all kinds of random teams. And even you think of the people we talk to probably more. Cowboys, Dolphins, Bengals, Jacksonville, supposedly, 49ers. It's all over the place. So um, that's kind of interesting that we, we don't get to unite together and being upset or happy with our teams when they do well because not very many other people like them. But um, I started a 49ers fan, big Joe Montana guy and Jerry Rice way back in the day. And then one year they didn't make the Super Bowl and the Bills did. So the Bills were super awesome. Um, and then for whatever reason, I decided to stick with them, even though they kept losing the Super Bowl. I probably should have switched and became a Giants fan or something, but uh, I stuck with the Bills from that point on. So I think I was a bandwagon, but then when you're a fan of the team for like 20 years and they don't make the playoffs, I think you're past the bandwagon and now you're just a, a fan of that team. So I think I can consider myself a fan of that team. Still have my Jim Kelly jersey from when I was a kid up in my room, so... Um, I'm going to consider myself not a bandwagon fan anymore, despite starting that way when I was a little kid. As for their game, that was that would have been a great game to watch if you were not cheering for one of the two teams. That would have been really highly entertaining. Um, 
And if, if you are cheering from the teams, it's an extremely intense roller coaster of emotions. So it's hard to enjoy probably the greatness that was going on because you still, I mean, there's, it seemed like they went four downs late in the game and Josh Allen was going to get sacked for 15 yard loss. And he just danced past people over and over again. So it was in terms of losing a game, losing a playoff game in painful fashion, at least provided a lot of entertainment, fun to watch. Um, And, you know, I haven't really got to have a lot of hurts in my life from the bills because I was little when they lost super bowls and then they were just bad. So you don't feel that much pain from it anymore. Um, But now these last two years, I've been able to experience that again. So it's, it's kind of nice being alive, but it was also kind of nice not having to care once the playoffs came, but I'll take having a good team over not having a good team, but hopefully they can keep it going, going forward from the bill standpoint, got to figure out something to do to, uh, to get past the chiefs. You know, they, they might start going down here one of these years, but still need to uh, figure out how to beat them when it counts. Um, and so that's something to take away in the off season. Um, you know, the chiefs, as I kind of mentioned before, Earlier in the year, they, they were bad. Their offense was looking bad. They were with them when they started winning games. It was because of the defense, not because of the offense. So um, now it looks like the offense has kind of figured all their stuff back out, which shouldn't be surprising given all the weapons they have. Um, I would say probably easily the front runner to still win the Super Bowl at this point in time. But um, the way the NFC teams have been playing, I have been fully on the Rams bandwagon to be in the Super Bowl since the beginning of the year. So I'm definitely going to keep riding with the Rams all the way to win the Super Bowl. Huge Matthew Stafford guy. So very excited that he got out of Detroit to a real team. So their Rams and Bengals would make for a nice Super Bowl. But the 49ers are fun, too. They don't have any super big name stars. Um, They just fight really hard. They play really hard. They're fun to watch as well. So. As long as the Chiefs don't win, I'll be bitter towards them. They can lose at some point in time, hopefully painfully. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm excited to see their teams do well. But which team starter starter jacket did you have? That's that was a sign in the '90s. That was your true fandom. This is ever starter jacket you wore. Bills for me and Packers for Shannon. Ooh, I had a Cowboys one. I'm ashamed to admit it was the '90s. I had to cheer for the Cowboys. It's pretty horrible. And your dad uh, just, had the best one though. We should all mention that. You have like a Charlotte Hornet one? Had a Minnesota State. Ooh. I right? think it's with uh, Coach. Yeah, uh, what were they called? Minnesota State. The Screaming Eagles. Screaming I didn't I mean I didn't wow. know they made national starter jackets, but apparently they did. That's a yeah. So just to get my picks in here, and I would have loved for this to be a Bengals-Bills game. That was my whole plan for having you two on this week is we could have a Bills versus Bengals talk, and for the first time in your life, that would have been a relevant game for the two of you to debate. I so badly want the Bengals. Most of the country wants it to be the Bengals. I don't, I don't, don't think people hate the Chiefs yet. I think they're getting to that point. Mahomes is likable, despite what all the people around him seem to be social media knuckleheads. The Chiefs are still likable, but I think the Bengals are such a fun underdog story. I will be cheering for the Bengals. I don't think they will win, but I will be cheering for them. And Kevin started drifting over to the NFC, so we can go over there and get Shannon's take on that. I have some historical context we can add to this after the fact, but I'm with you. I had the Rams earlier this year. I thought it was really trendy and picking, oh my gosh, the Rams. Nobody's talking about the Rams. And then I started listening, and it's like, oh, everybody's picking the Rams to be the trendy team. And they've lived up to the hype. I'm going to stick with them here. I've doubted the 49ers in the last two rounds to my detriment, but I will doubt them for a third time and stick with the Rams. So I have a Rams chief Super Bowl, despite my wanting it to be Rams Bengals. I'm the same way. And it's, it's so that I can hedge and, and you guys know me well enough to know I hedge everything. So my money is on the 49ers. I picked them at the beginning of the playoffs to win the Super Bowl. And Kevin put together a very helpful spreadsheet via paper and pen to show the payoff if you had picked the 49ers and and had pretty good odds so i was like heck let's do it they've been playing playoff football for three weeks and they're only going to get healthier and they've shown that i mean they've gone on the road twice and won playoff games 
uh, you you go into Green Bay with it snowing and it's cold and you win. Uh, that that's pretty impressive. I just don't know that they have the firepower. So let's say it's the fourth quarter. Stafford drives down the field and chucks a bomb to Vivian Jefferson. I don't know that the 49ers can go back and capitalize on that. Uh, the Rams have built up everything offensively and defensively for this weekend, especially the one on the road beat Tom Brady. So that's, that's why I'm saying Rams and then Chiefs. Uh, the, the fun has to end for the Bengals. They're not ready yet to win it. They don't have the experience to win it. So they're not ready. So I'm going to say Rams Chiefs as well. Some historical context points for you guys. I went back and looked from 1990 till this year. Six previous times have divisional opponents met in the conference championship. You had the 2013 Seahawks, the 2010 Packers, the 1989 49ers, the 1992 Bills, the 2008 Steelers, and the 1999 Titans all ended up going to the Super Bowl. And those four of those teams split in the regular season. Only the Steelers and the Titans won both regular season divisional matchups. They would both win again and make it to the Super Bowl. The Steelers went 3-0 and against the Ravens. The Titans went 3-0 and against the Jags. Now, the 49ers are currently 2-0 and versus the Rams on the year. Sean McVay has never defeated Kyle Shanahan while they've both been head coaches. That's what gives me a little bit of cause for concern, that the coaching head-to-head record, and then you look at the historical numbers, like the 2013 Seahawks, they split with the Niners in the regular season and then won in the playoffs. So the 2-1 to record there but no team has ever come back from 0-2 in the regular season rivalry to win in the playoffs. Not ever, but since 1990. So that gives me a little bit of trepidation on my Rams pick, just the, the numbers tell us to bet the 49ers. So I have I'm a situation first... for you guys. Yeah, go ahead. And this is more of a, so I want the Bengals and the Rams to win. And I probably would have the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl would be my top pick, then the Rams. But how about the Chiefs and the 49ers both win? And we get in late into the game, and, you know, Mahomes takes a touchdown drive, getting the lead. And at the end, in the fourth quarter, Jimmy G puts together some amazing drive to win the Super Bowl after everyone just hates on him all so much and people are blaming him for losing the last Super Bowl. And people are saying he's going to be out after every, it seems like every season he's been there, people said that he's going to be out and someone else is going to start. Trey Lance is going to start. And here Jimmy G comes and wins the Super Bowl and is the hero, Super Bowl MVP, Jimmy G. And everyone says he's amazing again. I don't know if anyone said he's amazing before, but now everyone says he's amazing. He's a Super Bowl winner. That would be, that'd be kind of a fun, fun story for everyone. A guy who gets a lot of hate. That would be fun. I'd be all for that. I think it'd be cool. I wonder what they would do with him. I did, I did not understand the Trey Lance pick, but I'm wondering if Garoppolo is going to get Dilford. Trent Dilford won the Super Bowl for the Ravens. Well, he was quarterbacking for the team that won, and then he got traded in the offseason. Did that happen with Foles as well, or did he just go back to the bench? I can't remember if the Eagles got rid of him after he was the Super Bowl MVP or if he stayed there as another year as the backup. But winning the Super Bowl does not make you immune. I think they have, traded him. Did they right away? So yeah, I have to, I have to I imagine they, a, something a, for him, so they traded him. A Houston or a Miami or a Denver, somebody would take Jimmy G if he does in fact make it. I think right now, if I was the 49ers, I would stick with. Would, can I have a side note here? Would we treat him with more respect if he went by James instead of Jimmy? That's just a thought I had today. It worked for Scottie Pippen, but I feel like for most guys, once you reach pro sports, you have to become the the James Garoppolo. I feel like it sounds like it has more esteem, and we would be nicer to him. But I would stick with him if I were the 49ers. The man took you to one Super Bowl and potentially another one. They all they have to look at it from a financial perspective. Uh, you can you can get a couple draft picks for Jimmy Garoppolo and feel like you're going to be decent at quarterback with Trey Lance. Pay him nothing, and you can you can find weapons. Kyle Shanahan would make you and me and Kevin a running back in his offense. So. He's not going to pay a running back anything. He's going to get his line offensive and defensive paid for and bring in the best people there and then let let 
anybody come off the street to play skill positions. Which that has worked with Debo Samuel. I was thinking about that earlier today. We have the best quarterback in the game playing in this Patrick Mahomes. You have the best defensive player in Aaron Donald, potentially the best defensive back in Jalen Ramsey. You have, I would say the three best wide receivers from this season playing and potentially four of the top five. I think you could argue somebody like a, Stefan Diggs or Justin Jefferson belongs in here, but between Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, and Jamar Chase. So you have four of the five best wide receivers, which is amazing. You've got the two best tight ends playing. I guess the offensive line, nobody is really amazing from this group. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's a lot of good offensive lines, which side note, I don't think people have talked about enough with the Chiefs. I think that's why they struggled early. They had five new offensive linemen, including two rookies. So it took the Chiefs some time, I think, to gel up front. And I think once they had that and those guys got their legs under them, the Chiefs took off. But you just look at the talent in this game. Just some of the best in the world at their jobs are going to be in these four teams. You'd probably expect that. So I think that makes sense. But usually it's a little bit more spread out. Lots of times those star players aren't even in the playoffs. So, um Sometimes we probably overlook that as fans of what's who's actually on the team. And I think I should have the 49ers that they had some injuries and banged up. But once they actually get into it, you kind of look at some of the players they have and some of their playmakers on offense with Kittle, Kittle and Samuel when they're when they're healthy. Um, that's some good, good weapons to have. And Elijah Mitchell has been a pretty solid running back to that. I don't think too many people knew much about him before the season. So um it kind of makes sense these teams get there. The team that probably the lowest end of that is the Bengals, um, who, you know, they got Burrow and Chase. And so I don't think you look too far past those two to even see who's left, especially once you get past the receivers and, you know, start talking offensive line and who's left playing on their defense. Um, it seems like they're probably below from just an overall skill level compared to the other teams. But um, at this point, I don't know if, Doubting Burrow has ever been a, a smart choice for anybody. Lessons in drafting, unless you're the Rams, and then you just trade away all your draft picks and go get superstars. But you look at the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Bengals. You look what they've accumulated through the last couple of drafts. That is that is a haul, and you see what smart drafting gets you. Uh, I will buy either one of you a cold bush light if you can tell me where Elijah Mitchell went to college. I know I heard them talk about this on the game this week. And a bonus shot of peppermint schnapps, if you can tell me the round he was drafted in. Cannonball. Uh, Sixth round. Yep. Okay, you got your schnapps. Excellent. That's that's the main thing here anyway. So, got that locked up. Elijah Mitchell. Buffalo. University of. Um, See, this is unfair. You guys can't see me on camera. Say, Kevin is a frozen screen. I'm going to say Tennessee. I don't know. Elijah Mitchell played a running back for Louisiana. That's oh, going to be my next guess. Not even, not even like Louisiana Tech or LSU, just like Billy Napier, Raging Cajun, Louisiana. Correct. Yes. Hmm. So no free bush lights. I guess I'll have to take one for the team. I'm excited for the schnapps, though. So it goes back to the drafting thing, though. Uh, hey, the schnapps will keep you warm. I have it at negative two degrees outside right now, Kevin. So that, that'll help. Uh, drafting is huge. And you look at the organizations that know how to draft players and they're consistently pretty dang good. And then you look at the organizations that have no idea how to draft and have terrible GMs and they're awful. So the draft is a huge part of all this. I think I made this, I did an article on this. I looked at the draft history in the last couple of years, and I think I ranked the Saints as the best drafting team, which this year may be more of an exception because they didn't have a quarterback. You're living life without Drew Brees, but they've hit on almost every one of their top three draft picks. Plus they find uh, Trey Hendrickson kind of guys, diamond in the rough. So yeah, teams that you can be the Rams and trade away all your capital for a handful of high dollar players, but building through the draft, there's, There's a reason Kansas City has a turnaround since Andy Reid got to town. Looking at some more historical context for if you guys want to further enlighten your picks. The 49ers have the most NFC championship games of all time. They've been in 16 of them. Their all-time record is 7-9. and They are 2-4 and on the road in NFC championship games. The Rams, kind of shocking, have the third most NFC championship games appearances. I would not have expected that out of them. 
They are four and six all time, but they are two and two at home in their history of St. Louis, Los Angeles Rams. They're the first two teams to appear in conference championship games in five different decades. The Chiefs two and one at home, two and two all time in AFC title games. Here's here's one for the Bengals. Cincinnati is undefeated in AFC championship games. It sounds better if you don't go more in depth. They are 2-0, and but their last two were at home. They've never played a road AFC championship game. And Dan, in the last Dan Patrick will often talk about the one against the Chargers, how he was there and it was so cold. Continue. Uh, uh, went back and looked at the Super Bowl for the last 10 Super Bowls and the seeds of the teams who have made it. There were 12 number one seeds. Five two seeds, two four seeds, and a five seed made it once, and that was last year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So the point of that being, no six seed has made the Super Bowl at least since 2011. I ran out of time and interest to go back any further than that, but I figured 20 teams was a big enough sample size. So you have the 49ers who are a six seed. The Chiefs are the two, the Bengals are a three, and I believe the Rams are a three. So... How's that for whatever that means? There's some there's some statistical significance in there. Feel like I should draw a pie chart or something to yeah, just with the numbers. Yeah. I need a okay. graph of that. Um, so if the 49ers make the Super Bowl, that'll be the third time in what the last ten years they're in the Super Bowl. Has anyone been in there more than that besides the Patriots in the last ten years? The Chiefs could be in for the third time. This is this is the trippy. It, it, I can, I can hear Kevin's voice, but his face isn't moving. Like he's on video, but the voice is not matching. It's very trippy. Very trippy. I'm I'm researching. Anyway, my my, my point is kind of that they'd be the second most, but it seems like they haven't been all that good very much over the yeah. years. That they've had a lot of just way down years when they're not being really good. Yeah, they are but very they are up good, and down. They get to the Super Bowl. So. I would say since the 2010-2011 season, uh, I think it probably would be them after the Patriots. The Broncos made it twice. Seahawks made it twice. Steelers have two in there. Eagles have one. Bucks have one. Yeah, somehow it may be the 49ers because they had that Kaepernick team the 2012 season, 2013. This would be their third one. So I think you are right. That would be the most, which is, yeah, something you don't think about with the 49ers. Which if you, if you keep losing them, then you don't really get, <laughs> no one remembers that you were actually there, but right. um, making it there, that'd be pretty impressive to be the team with the second most. And they would, if they were to make this magical run, they would end up tying the Patriots and Steelers for most Super Bowl wins of all time. All right. Anything else on these NF- NFC, AFC championship games? I have an NFL hypothetical for you guys when you're Ready. Ready. Okay. So I would say a majority of the star quarterbacks in the NFL are over the age of 25. Mr. Mahomes is 26. Taylor Heineke is 28. Taysom Hill is 30. But taking the quarterbacks that are 25 and under, you can start your franchise with any one of these guys. Who are you taking? Your candidates, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson is somehow still only 24. Uh, Kyler Murray, and then I will throw in your recent draft class. You've got Mac Jones, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence would be the big one. So basically those are your five. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, or let's throw in this last, last draft class, probably Trevor Lawrence. Of those six, you're starting your franchise tomorrow. Who are you going with? I would want to know who else is going to be on my my team or what kind of team I'm looking to draft. I think that... Joe Burrow would probably be my choice if I knew I had um, some other good skill within the offensive line and at running back. If you're like the Bills and you don't have a running game at all and Josh Allen, your quarterback, needs to be a running game, that's not going to be Joe Burrow. I don't think the Bills would do as well if Joe Burrow was their quarterback just simply because they need Josh Allen to run the ball a lot. Um, Ideally, I'd have a more balanced team and I'd take Joe Burrow. But if I wasn't uncertain, I know that at least Josh Allen can do a, a few different things. And I think he would probably be a little bit safer of a pick, but I would say Joe Burrow would give me a better overall chance of having a great team. 
my worry with Joe Burrow is the injury, uh, pretty devastating knee injury uh, to start his career. So that's my reservation with him. I'm actually taking Josh Allen just due to how much he's improved with his ability to pass the ball. He's, he's pretty dang good. And you watch the game the other night, it's like, this guy can do anything. So I'm going to start my team with Josh Allen. I think I would agree on Josh Allen. I think it is between Allen and Burrow. Justin Herbert is an interesting option. I like those three more than the other two. Um, could have thrown Davis Mills in here. Sorry if I if you wanted to pick him. I, is he still on a roster? I think, I think he's going to be in line to be the Houston starter next year because everybody's saying give him a second chance and they're going to go draft a defensive end with the whatever first or second pick they have. Hmm, interesting. So you get a full year of Davis Mills next season. Excellent. All in all, I think the NFL is in good hands if you've got those five or six guys coming up and we still don't know what we have in this rookie class. You could still get Mac Jones and Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence becoming Pro Bowl caliber players. So to recap our picks, uh, I'm going Rams-Chiefs, even though I really want the Bengals. Rams-Chiefs for me. Is this who we want or who we think is going to win? Who you think will win. Okay, Rams-Chiefs, yeah. I think the Rams and the Chiefs will win. We're either all going to look really smart or really dumb. Currently, I feel like I look pretty dumb after last week's pick where I said the Niners were going to get blown out. So hopefully better results this time around. I have another NFL topic here in a minute, but I want to talk about a couple other things. UFC 270 was this last week, and as much as I wanted to watch it, there was too much COVID and crowded bars to make me want to go out and watch it, and I wasn't about to drop 70 bucks for two fights. But I told you guys to bet on the two guys to win, and those two won. We had Francis Ngannou merging the heavyweight and interim heavyweight titles with his decision victory over Cyril Gan, which was a huge deal. And Ganu won his first ever division uh, decision title. Sorry. He's a knockout artist, the heaviest hitter, the biggest hands ever in UFC. And for him to go the distance and win over a guy who I would say is an arguably more well-rounded fighter props to Mr. Ngannou for getting the big win there. And then Davison Figueredo reclaiming his belt from Brandon Moreno. So two champions crowned that night. Uh, I told you guys to pick both of them. Did you listen to me and make millions of dollars? No. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. I so so yes I I made a uh, million dollars off Ganu and then I lost it on the other one. Um, that's not really how it worked out. I had so I had Ganu by himself because he was a favorite. I don't remember what he was getting. I think I told you guys, but I don't remember. So it was plus one something, one ten or one fifteen. So it was nice to win a little money on Ganu. And then the other one, I just didn't bet, and I don't know why, because I don't have a good excuse, really. I was much more confident in Ngannou. I like Gon, but I think he's still got some work to go before he gets to the top level. Francis Ngannou and John Jones is the fight that everybody wants. We'll see if they do that. UFC usually likes to run big cards around 4th of July, middle of July. So if we get Ngannou Jones for the heavyweight belt, that's what everybody wants. Figueredo and Moreno, you should probably run it back. Or we get my guy, Askar Askarov, if he beats Kai Kara France here in a couple weeks. So a, a great UFC card, I will say, at least at the very top. And as we know, if I would actually bet my own money on the UFC picks I make, I would retire tomorrow with all the right picks that I've had. But I never listen to myself. I usually just reinvest that money. That. I usually reinvest the little money I make back into stupid NBA parlays where I bet on like the magic the Knicks and the Warriors in one night and lose everything I've gained. NBA sucks to bet. That now is... we have a friend who's like, uh, bet on the Hawks every night, money line, the Hawks. And that's about the only thing I've listened to for NBA betting. Is it paying off? Not really, mm. but I still listen to him. Cause he's one of the funniest people we know. <laughs> You guys want a betting tip for the NBA? Kevin Looney over rebounds. It's usually like eight and a half every single night. He's been over that like five of the last six games, like seven of nine games this month. He's got uh, he's got five rebounds at halftime tonight. Nice. Looking for another strong showing for him to get over eight and a half. And they still have it eight and a half at minus one ten despite his little hot streak. So who's who's he play for? Well. Isn't he with the Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. So he's got zero points, but five rebounds. So nice. 
Five That's player props. So right there. So he's, he's been pretty solid. Kevin Looney, you say? Yep. Oh, eight, over eight and a half. It's already up to negative one or minus one sixty-five. I'm gonna. I'm, I might not spend yeah. it tonight, but it's good to know. Wait moving out, forward. Yeah, wait, wait, moving forward. So yeah, I saw that. Uh, I did it not last game. I magically didn't do it the last game, and he was under last game because he was going against uh, the Jazz and whatever that guy's name is they have that gets all of his rebounds and steals all the rebounds. But uh, yeah, go bear. He, so that's probably not a good person to, to bet on rebounds against. But um, I did like the two before that. And I don't know how randomly I came across looking at his stat line, but um, he had been at like 14, 12, 12, 10, and like all the games before that. And he was, he was over eight and a half, like two minutes into the second half or something like that. So it was wonderful. Shannon, so trying is your, it one more time tonight, so hopefully he keeps it up. Is your screen doing the same thing, or is this just me? Like when Kevin Kevin's body movements and his voice are not at all syncopated on my screen? Right. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's all messed up, but I can hear him, so that's what matters. It looks, it looks so funny to watch. A um, couple other quick things I want to get to here, and Shannon, going to go to this one if you have any more insight than I do. But uh, during the football games this week on Fox they were promoting the heck out of NASCAR at the LA Coliseum, which sounds like a super cool concept, but what's, how do we explain what's happening? I know just enough to be dangerous about this. So the, the Bush clash is kind of the kickoff race for the NASCAR season. It always has been. And in kind of before all of the internet took over and you could see everything all the time, it was like you'd turn on the TV and you'd see the Bush Clash happening. You're like, oh, that's cool. They're going to run the Daytona 500 soon because of the Bush Clash. So it's just kind of the race that kicks off the NASCAR season. How they're doing it at the Coliseum, I have no idea, but it sounds pretty cool. And I'm guessing it'll bring in a new audience. And um, like I'm a NASCAR fan and I'm interested in it. I would imagine that some other people are going to be like, huh, what's this? It's new. It's different. Let's check it out. But I don't, I don't know enough about the format of it, Darren, but I do know I'm interested and will certainly be paying attention. NASCAR has definitely lost my interest as the years have gone on. I don't like it as much as I used to. It's not as accessible on TV as it once was. Drivers, to me, aren't as compelling. But I like that they do stuff like this. What did they do at Bristol? They do something. Oh, is they did the football games inside Bristol Stadium, and then they did the dirt on Bristol. So I like that they're branching out and doing some experimental fun things and running these different courses. Yeah. I'm very curious. Are you just going to fill the LA Coliseum with a whole bunch of dirt, but seems like a cool concept. And the week before the Super Bowl in LA. So there's probably going to be a lot of crossover fans there getting to town early. Sports fans will take in both events. I'm sure. Um, the, a couple other things they've done is they've reformatted the way that they, they do their qualifying for races or um, kind of how they've chosen like, where your pit stall is just little tiny things that NASCAR fans have, have appreciated. And all these, all these changes kind of came about through the time of COVID where it forced the sport to get creative. So I, I do give NASCAR credit for trying to modernize and, and uh, their dwindling fan base from 10 years ago. Sometime between now and February 20th, we need to have you guys back for the NASCAR preview, put that on your schedules. I need to know who Kevin thinks will win. Yes, I'm sure I'll have uh, a name of someone who still races by that point in time. Terry Labonte. Bobby. (laughs) All right, so this is open floor time. We have kind of whatever you guys want to talk about. The big news this week, or at least as we're recording, Sean Payton not totally retiring, just taking a break till Jerry Jones offers him the cowboy job. The Baseball Hall of Fame, Big Poppy, David Ortiz being the only one to get in. The big news more so being that uh, Bonds and Clemens are likely not going to get in. Kurt Schilling not going to get in. So we got Sean Payton, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Anything else going on in the world of sport that we have not touched on yet this week? I'd like to talk about Caitlin Clark for just a moment. She's a uh, Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball player, and uh, they were showing some highlights from their game tonight. She shot a three-pointer. It felt like it was half court. It wasn't that far, but it was dang close. Uh, She's lighting up women's college basketball, and to have her here in the state is fun to watch. 
and they they showed something on ESPN a few days ago how like she had done something that only uh, like it was Kobe and Giannis and LeBron maybe were the only other people that have done it like in the last 20 years and Caitlin Clark was another one to do it and so to have the spotlight on on her and women's basketball is pretty cool um the Iowa State team is also good and so uh the the state of women's basketball is it's at a high level right now in Iowa so it's fun to follow that as we go through the winter I think her stat line was something like she was the first person to have back-to-back triple doubles where she scored 30 plus in both games or something like that and then yeah the list was a who's who of NBA players as being the only other people at collegiate or NBA levels to achieve that in the last 5,000 years or something. <laughs> but they got a lot of, got a lot of traction because of all the names that showed up on that list. And then her. And she's leading college basketball in points per game without Paige Beckers. I'm going to guess that Caitlin Clark is probably the leading candidate for player of the year. We talked about the men's side last week. So good to get the women's NCAA side in this week and talk about Caitlin Clark. And I'm, don't know what's going on with UConn and some of these other teams, but I was probably going to make a good run with her at the helm. Uh, and I know you guys had the girls state wrestling championship in Iowa this last week, which I would probably say right up there, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Ohio, kind of the top three high school wrestling states. And you, it looks like you guys had a great tournament there and they now sanctioned the sport. So it'll be a fully functioning on its own high school sport for high schoolers, high school girls in Iowa. So that's kind of a cool thing for them to have going. I'm shocked it's taken so long because of of how popular wrestling is in the state of Iowa, and, and it's like the 34th state to sanction it. Uh, but it's one that will will definitely help the sport grow into a college level. For for so long, girls have had to compete against the boys in high school wrestling, and it's just not fair. So now they'll they'll get to have their own, which is awesome. It'll be just like girls basketball happens in the winter when boys basketball happens. Uh, girls basket or girls track and boys track happen in the spring at the same time you got baseball softball and now it's going to be wrestling so it's an awesome awesome thing to have happen and that starts next uh well i guess in in the, the fall of the upcoming school year here i would uh agree with that it's surprising how long it took for that to happen um not surprising that it did just kind of figured it would have much sooner than it has um, but that's also, yeah, very great. Um, you know, people, especially here in Iowa, huge wrestling state, very excited for it, um, have been pushing for it for, it seems like a little while now. So um, pretty good that that's finally gotten to the level that it should be at. And the Iowa Hawkeyes have announced their own collegiate women's wrestling program. So I have to imagine that will quickly become the dominant program in the collegiate sport, which I know we don't like to really be too negative or sad on the show, but uh, if you have not heard the story, sad story out of Oklahoma State car accident with uh, AJ Ferrari, who's defending national champion at 197 and was on track to have the same thing this year, a car accident. It sounds like he and the guy who's riding with him, I apologize, I don't know the name of the other athlete. He's a cross-country runner for Oklahoma State. They were riding together and lost control of the vehicle. It sounds like everybody will be okay eventually, but a scary thing to read about, and we wish them the best. Uh, anything else before we get into some trivia? Try to one more thing with Caitlin Clark. So statistically, she should probably be the player of the year. Um, she's currently first in points and I think second in assist in the country. Um, and she does more than that too, but um, high up there. But I don't know who votes for player of the year in women's basketball, but she is going to have probably a hard time trying to battle the player from Kansas state that just scored 61 points a couple days ago and set the NCAA scoring mark for points. Ayoka Lee, Lee. I think might be her name. Um, She is right there with Caitlin Clark in points per game and also has some other big stat numbers. Um, And she, she put on a ton of points when they play against Iowa state as well. Iowa state won that game, but um, she's, she's been putting up some massive numbers and probably has gotten more, attention than Caitlin Clark has, which sometimes that's what plays into these player of the year things is how much people have talked about you throughout the year. Um, so for whatever reason, Caitlin Clark gets talked about a lot less than she probably should. Um, 
so it'll be interesting to see how that goes as the as the year carries on because um, she she does basically everything that you could want a basketball player to do for their team um, and their team's not quite as good this year as it has been in the past as well so sometimes I mean Kansas State's not a, a super team either so it's not like she's what usually have when you're dealing with UConn people that are their team's ranked number one and they're just the best player on the UConn team so it'll be interesting to see this year. Well, we are here to do our part and shine some light on some of these athletes and teams that you don't always hear about in your mainstream sports talk radio or kind of they talk the same topics to death over and over. We want to shine the light and spread the love and give some attention to some of these other athletes and sports and teams. And before we duck out here tonight, I have a little four question trivia game. So hopefully you guys don't tie. We're just going to, it's just going to be open season. Whoever wants to go first on these questions. All focused on NFC, AFC championship games and the Super Bowl. Question one. The Chiefs are heading into their fourth straight AFC title game. Who are the opponents in all four of these games? The Bills, Cleveland Browns. Patriots. Not Shannon, the Browns. I, I heard Browns, which is not the right answer. Kevin, you, Bills I heard... and Patriots. Bills and Patriots. And now Bengals. And Bengals. And Patriots. Uh, right. Two you, Patriots. You got three out of four. Not two Patriots. Man, I truly Titans. don't. Titans. Kevin Ooh. got it. So in order, reverse order, I guess. Bengals, Titans, Bills, Patriots. All right. Question two: Who was the last team to make four straight? Sorry, I should reread that. Other than the Patriots, who was the last team to make four straight conference championship games? The Philadelphia Eagles. Incorrect. Bills. The Buffalo Bills. Another point for Kevin. Those early 90s wide left Bills. Eagles had to be like, what, three then? They didn't get four? I think, yeah, I think Andy Reid got them to three in the early 2000s. There are two teams that are undefeated all time in NFC title games. Name those two franchises. They have been to multiple, so they're not 1-0. And the NFC. And NFC title games undefeated. Rams. Incorrect. Cowboys. Incorrect. I will say one of them is a historic long-running franchise, and one of them has only really been good for a handful of the most recent years. Um, Saints. Incorrect. Seahawks. Seahawks are one of them. The Seahawks are 3-0 all-time. This other team is 5-0 all-time in their appearances. The Seahawks are 3-0? Yep. Mm, I'm going to guess... Oh, that's I forgot about them being in the Super Bowl when Mike Holmgren was their coach. They had one with Hasselbeck and then two with Russell Wilson. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the uh, Giants. The G Men are five and oh. Nice. Good pull. Kevin's running away with this thing. It's seven zero. There's only three points left to be won. Three questions worth three points each, I think is what you said. Go ahead. <laughs> There are only three teams who have not made the NFC title game this millennium. Name oh. those three teams. The Bills. <laughs> oh, they're supposed to be in the NFC. Ooh. The Lions. Lions. Shannon's on the board with a point. Yes. The Cardinals. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. They've made it. Cowboys. Cowboys are another one. As much as oh. Dallas fans don't want to admit, they have not oh, made it man. since 1995. <laughs> um, and Washington? The WFTs also. Ooh. Dallas, Washington, and Detroit. Just, just for funsies. Sorry. I should really read these more before I ask the question. Seattle and Tampa both moved conferences. So you have three teams. From the eight, <laughs> the Bills. They, 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 they did last year. They were last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Miami, 
Miami is correct. Last made it in 1992. They are the most recent of these three teams, though, to make it. Can we count the Texans? You are counting the Texans. One remaining. Chargers. Incorrect. This team has never won an AFC title game. They have been to three. They are 0-3 all time. Jets. Incorrect. The Jets are 0-4, but they did make it in 2010. Browns. The Browns. There you go. The Browns, the Dolphins, the Texans, the Cowboys, the Lions, and the WFTs have not made a conference championship game in this millennium. How does that company feel, Cowboy fans? All right. Well, that is going to be episode 44. These guys have to get to bed. I have stuff to do. Thank you all for joining us. Any, any last words from you two before we duck out? Go Bengals. Go Bengals. <laughs> the, the entire world is on Team Bengals for the first time. And Kevin, with a thrashing in the trivia, even with the bonus points, I think that was a 12-1 to 1 win. We should do more conference championship questions in the future. <laughs> Next trivia game will be all conference championship related all sports though college football conference championship games yeah let's do it all right well thank you guys and thank you everybody for listening you can find us in the usual places spotify google podcast stitcher radio public and on sportsgospel.com we'll see you next time mic check one two three four five is that good enough this far away or do i need to be right on it